Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. The Virginia Production Alliance's 2024 State of the Industry is an annual event that celebrates our film production culture. This year's event takes place February 6th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Hardywood Craft Brewery. If you're interested in attending, I'll include a link to the VPA on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. If you look closely, you'll find something tragic was happening. Are you interested in writing something for us? I don't do assignments anymore. Yeah, but you're a better writer than most people do anything. Have you heard the tapes? No. Uh, of what? That's an excerpt from the trailer from Origin, and you can hear Blair Underwood talking with the author about the tapes, which refers to the recording of Trayvon Martin. Ingenue Ellis Taylor plays the author of the book, Cast the Origins of Our Discontents, and it's been turned into a powerful new film by Ava DuVernay. Blair Underwood is the best-known actor to come out of Petersburg. He started his career in local theater, but went on to star in numerous movies, TV shows, and Broadway productions. We talk about his latest role in Origin, plus lots of other stuff, from acting on Broadway to posing for Playgirl. Sifter Review of the Week Normally on this podcast, I review streaming movies and save my theatrical releases for my WRIR film reviews. But since this podcast is about a movie currently in town, I thought I'd review Origin. Ingenue Ellis Taylor plays Isabel Welkerson, the writer who decides to research racism and ends up writing the bestseller Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. The process led her to Germany and India before coming up with her revolutionary approach to the hierarchy of human divisions. Director Ava DuVernay, she also co-wrote the screenplay with Wilkerson, has created a hybrid of procedural documentary and personal journey. We watch the author as she discusses her findings with other characters. There are also scenes set in the segregated South, Nazi Germany, and present-day India that add human resonance to the subject. This is an ambitious summation of the book's concepts and a drama that focuses on the influential tragedies in her own life. As such, it goes from somewhat academic to closely personal with an assured directorial hand. This movie makes challenging, powerful statements about the history of discrimination, which is not only socially important, but deserves to be seen. I gave Origin 4 out of 5 stars. You're the famous Jerry Williams. Famous in what way? Did you? <laughs> the name I've been seeing on my emails. Oh, okay, okay. Well, no, the reason I mentioned that is because uh, I was a theater reviewer for many years, and I know you were in on the 20th Century at the Mill, which I probably oh. reviewed, West Side Story and Born Yesterday for Virginia Rep, which was theater four then, and That's Jesus right. Christ Superstar at, at Dogwood wow. Dell. So I probably yeah. saw you in some of those things. That's were, amazing. That's why you are taking me back. I'm sure. So speaking of taking you back, obviously your dad was in the uh, military, was a colonel. So is that how you ended up in Petersburg? That is exactly how I, we ended up. Uh, my dad was the professor of military science at Virginia State University. So what made you decide to be an actor? <laughs> it seemed like something fun to do and the cutest girls were in that taking acting classes. So I said, yeah, that makes sense. That makes I've sense. heard so many straight guys say that was how they got into <laughs> acting, was the cute girls. <laughs> then you left Richmond, and what motivated you to get out of Richmond and try to be a professional? Well, you know, I went to college first in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie so Mellon, right, right. And when I learned that you could actually go to college to learn about theater and, and become an actor, I was like, that's really what I want to do. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I went to Carnegie Mellon for two and a half years, the middle of my third year. I ended up leaving college and then moved to New York in January of 1985 and said, uh, that's what brought me to New York. So I'm going to pursue this acting thing. 
Uh-huh. Now, before we go to New York, I meant to ask you earlier, what fond memories do you have about working in Richmond Theater back in the 80s, I guess? Oh, man, so many fond memories. You know, just the fondest memories I have are of Buddy and Betty Callahan, Tom Witt. Footnote. Buddy and Betty Callahan co-founded Swift Creek Mill with Lou and Fran Rubin, and Tom Witt is the longtime artistic director. Tom you know, gave a, uh, an acting class during the summer one year, and when I knew I was going to to New York, he gave me a sat me down and gave me a list of agents that he had dealt with in New York City, and that really was my calling card. Wow. He said, call them. He said, but don't don't just call them. Go knock on their door so you can have a face to face. And I took them up. And I went through that whole list, and um, that really started to open doors for me. So really, it's the relationships there. Eloise LeBron at Swift Creek, John Hackett, of course. I was, and I hadn't seen him in maybe thirty years. Prior wow. to that. And, and listen, I was just there at the mill with my wife and my father, and my nephews and my family uh, watching the Christmas show. So every chance I get, I go back to the mill. Surprise guest drop in. Uh, wait a minute. Speaking of people from Richmond who wanted to say hello, somebody wanted to drop in and say hello to you. What? And who we got here? Oh, just an old friend. <laughs> hey, sweetie, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. You look beautiful. So great to see your face. Oh, man. Daphne, I, I love this woman. And, and Tim Reed as well and their entire family. I mean, when they built the studio there, New Millennium, right. and said, let's do this movie called Asunder at the time. Footnote. Daphne and Tim Reed are both successful TV and movie actors who moved to Petersburg where they still live. New Millennium Studios was founded by the Reeds, and Asunder was a thriller that they produced in 1999. It starred Blair and was directed by Tim Reed. And I was just trying to just get any kind of bars on my shoulders, like producing bars from my producer wings. I said, well, I'll act in it, but can I be a producer? And Tim and Daphne said, yeah, well, you can be executive producer. And those, those, you know, those credits don't come easy. Congratulations on your nuptials. Thank you. Thank you very I'm much. I'm not pissed off I didn't get invited to the wedding. But oh, okay. you, oh, oh, no. Please don't be. Please don't be. <laughs> well, Daphne, what do you remember about when you first started seeing this young man come up and being an actor? He was doing such a damn good job and knowing that he was just from Petersburg. But I had known him from L.A. Law, I mean, from way back. And it was just such a joy to have him a part of our community at the studio, too. You know, I, I love this community. So it's just it just warms my heart to see you, Daphne, and to be able to speak about these these fond memories of that of that of that time <laughs> and, and space of Richmond. Excellent. Well, Tim will be down here in just a second, but you guys continue with your conversation. Oh, good. So I believe, if the IMDb is right, Crush Groove in 1985 was your first movie? That's right. That's correct. And how did you get cast in that? And what do you remember about that? You know, that was just a very traditional process of just your agent sends you in and you audition and, and uh, you hope to get the role. And it really was as simple as that. I was blown away and just flabbergasted that it, it happened and and it happened, you know, relatively quickly. It was my first year in New York. That was 1985. And then you went on from there. You did all kinds of stuff. Ashley worked on The Cosby Show, which led you to One Life to Live. How That's was being right. a soap opera actor? I know some people are like, Argh. No, listen, I, I loved it. You know, I tried to kind of be strategic. You know, soap operas is what you want to do. Then that's great. But if you want to do nighttime television or in films and other things, if you stay too long in and uh, daytime television, it's, it's difficult to make the transition. I only did it for three months, but uh, Erica Slezak was one of the stars on the show. I don't know if she's on there still, but she was really, she was one of those mentors. She took me under uh -huh. her wing just those three months. 
and kind of helped me when I had to do contract negotiations and everything else. So, but also she said, don't, if you want to do more, don't stay here too long. Speaking of wonderful women, wait a minute. Speaking of wonderful women, there's Tim. Wonderful woman, 2024, man. You want something you want to tell me? Wait a minute. This is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you look good, man. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there for the old man. <laughs> well, well so, never that, never that. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, man. Uh, let me say, you did a wonderful job in Oregon. I was really enjoyed your part in that. I enjoyed the film, but I, I oh, liked good. it. Played it, you know. Thank, thank you very much for that. Tim, what do you remember about young, innocent little Blair? I, I don't know about the innocent part, but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was definitely a guy who was not trying to be innocent. He was trying to get into business. <laughs> he was pretty serious about it. Always been a consummate actor, but he knew early on he had to broaden just being an actor was not going to be enough he knew that all along he wanted to express himself in many ways you know one of the things i'm most grateful for that i learned from tim is how to be an entrepreneur and you know with tim starting that studio new millennium in petersburg virginia a lot of people aren't aware how groundbreaking that was you know tyler perry is a friend of mine and i was there at his opening and i was i'd make sure on the red carpet i'll send people straight first time any african-american man a black man has done this well hold on not the first time (laughs) That's right. Not the first time. I had to bring, bring out this Oscar Michelle, Tim Reed. And uh, I would never forget that. And every chance I get to let people know that, I share that because you you broke ground and you showed me how to be an entrepreneur within the confines of show business. Well, thank you. Where are you in LA? I'm in Utah. I moved to Utah, Utah. a year ago. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you moved, so, to Utah? moved to Utah? I moved to Utah. We, I live in the mountains with all this snow out here right now. I was going to say, it's probably colder than it is here, isn't it? Obviously. Yeah, wonderful. It's- wonderful. Footnote. Blair turned his laptop to show us the snowy mountain view from his window. I'll give you a call so we can touch base, too. Okay, man. Excellent. Take All care, right, sweetie. Thank you, all Bye-bye. Meanwhile, back to these women, some of these great women you've worked with. There's been a lot of them, but I wanted to ask you about a couple of them. Cecily Tyson, you worked with on uh, the movie Mama's Floor's Family, and then Trip to Bountiful. It must have been incredible to work with an icon like Cecily yes. Tyson. I'm, I'm laughing because I did a movie with Steven Soderbergh. I'm going to answer your question. Okay. I'm laughing. The director, Steven Soderbergh, and I are doing this interview together. And the interviewer started running down like, you know, you've kissed a lot of women on screen. And like uh-huh. Julia Roberts started running down this list of people. And I said, I've kissed a lot off screen, too. So you <laughs> fell, fell out laughing. So it's like this, this running joke. But no, I mean, you talk about icons like Cicely Tyson. I mean, I, I had the tremendous, profound honor to work with her five different times. Wow. And wow. Um, the last one was the trip to Bountiful. You're right. So I did not do trip to Bountiful on Broadway. Cuba Gooding played the role of her son, but I did the tour. We did a couple. So we did Los Angeles, I think Boston. Um, at the time, Cicely Tyson was 90 years old wow. on stage in every scene physically it's not a film set you know cut and relax right, right. but i was just astounded by her, her stamina and her energy and her her sharpness and cuteness of her of her mind and body she taught me a, a great deal about integrity of the work and life i mean how to be healthy you know how to live to 90 you know she you did, would do 60 six zero 60 push-ups every day wow and it was very very spry and, and, and lean but she was ripped with with muscles she's very wow. strong uh, speaking of other great women you've worked with, and you mentioned them earlier, you were in Medea's family reunion. How was working with Medea and with and or Tyler? <laughs> yeah, it was phenomenal. It, it really was. You know, we had discussed doing his very first movie, Diary of, of I think, a Mad Black Woman. Right. I couldn't do that. I got a series. I, I, I couldn't do it at the time. And then this Medea's family reunion was his second movie. And, uh, you know, I tell you, he was very generous. And 
he was really breaking into the Hollywood scene. If you know Tyler's story, you know he did that character Medea. Right. He did plays on the roads for many, many years, but right. he knew his audience. And he knew his value when he came to Hollywood. So he can negotiate different deals, which to this day, he's broken records of the kind of deals he's been able to create. But him personally was, um, was just great. I mean, he told us, he said, listen, I can't pay you what you normally get, but you get a piece of the back end. And I, I've made more money on that movie today than probably anything I've done because he was so generous with how he negotiated it. He wow. said, if, if the film wins, we all win. So how does that work? Because, I mean, obviously he's dressed up as Medea half the time, and then she's got to stop him. And you see the outtakes at the end. But how was that working with somebody who's right there being this crazy lady and then cut? Now he's your director. <laughs> I got to tell you, at first it's, it's funny and fun to watch, but then it just becomes a norm. You know, he just he switches it on, and as he switches it on and off, you kind of go with him. Yeah, you know, Especially you as an actor, as you're being directed, you want direction. So tell me what I can fix. So that's kind of what you're... You know, tell me what I can do to serve your vision. Right. And in his case, he's writing, directing, producing, and doing all of that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Octavia Spencer in Self-Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. Academy Award winner. She's another one. I We worked together maybe four times. I used to call her my good luck charm. Because I did uh-huh. a, a was well, City of Angels with Stephen Botch, who created that City of Angels. But a number of series where she was in the pilot. And it got to the point, I said, if Octavia's in the pilot, the show's going to get picked up. Uh-huh. So, Here's my good luck, John. But to watch how her career has just exploded, as I said, she won the Academy Award and and now she has a thriving film career and it's just uh, it's exciting to watch. So it was phenomenal working together all these years later to do Self-Made, the story of Madam C.J. Walker together where we played husband and wife. And then, of course, the woman we were talking about earlier, the director of Origin, Ava DuVernay. How did you get the role? Well, you know, when I did, I, I spent City of Angels, which was a, a TV show on ABC that Stephen Bochco, who created L.A. Law, also created. But Ava was the publicist for the show. So that's when I met her. We worked together as, as actor and publicist at, at the time. And ever since then, she, when she did her first movie called I Will Follow, I had just directed the film and she knew about that. We've been friends since, since City of Angels. And she called me up and said, listen, I'm about to start directing my first movie tomorrow. Can we have dinner together? I just want to pick your brain on how to direct, on, on this directing thing. And it's, <laughs> I laugh, it's funny now because now she's become one of the premier directors of course, in Hollywood yeah. and I'm, I'm learning from her every chance to get. <laughs> right, um, right. But she, she really did say that. She says, uh, you know, we did When They See Us about the um, uh, Central Park Five, as they call it, the Exonerated right. Five and a number of projects since then. But she's kind enough to call whenever it's, there's a role in there. And she, that's origin of the same thing. She said, I called, there's a, a role of positive different real people into one character i love for you to play this editor of like a new york times ish newspaper yeah i'm glad you said that because i i did the research of amari selvin and couldn't find that name anywhere and i'm like okay is this a real guy but obviously he was the composite like you said that's right so yeah. he didn't have to do any research onto the character because it was a fictional character that's exactly right which was very different when when, when they see us which is a different thing where it was all real people right and i right. had to do a lot of research for that with the Ava. So what is your reaction to Origin? Obviously, you've seen it. You know, it's, it's a phenomenal film. To be a part of this cinematic tapestry is, is amazing. And it's something, it's a film, I think it's an important film. Yeah. It's emotional, it is educational, but it's, a, it's a, an emotional ride. So it's very filmic in that sense, you know. To take that book, which is, a, a, it's not a narrative. Right. <laughs> it's it's right. a nonfiction. And very dense. But to make, to translate that into a film, I thought she did a, a phenomenal job. 
she did some amazing stories. And actually, I went to the sneak screening that they had here, and she does a little Q&A afterwards. And she talked about the kid at the end of the pool scene, oh, about yes, shooting that it. scene and working with him. And then she talked about the guy who told that story. He was just a guy in the background in that pool scene. And he came up to her with tears in his eyes and said, I had a similar experience. And she said, sit down and tell me about it. And he sat there and recounted that experience right there to Ingenue. And they recorded it. And that's actually him in the movie. That was not scripted and that was not an, a professional. So that's pretty incredible. You know, it? Jerry, that makes sense. I wanted to ask Ava about that. And I forgot to ask her about it once I saw the film, but it stuck in my head. One of the things I love about Steven Spielberg's work, if you look at Jaws, he, when he shot that at Martha's Vineyard, he used a lot of real people. Right. So he got real faces and real feelings. Then I watched that interview in Origin. I said, this is documentary real. Yeah. This, this yeah. is like one of the best actors I've seen. So it makes sense that he's, he was recounting his story. Exactly. Now, I want to pivot away from all this movie TV business, because I know you got started in the theater and you still have a love of theater. I mean, your Broadway debut was at Stanley and Streetcar. You can't get any better than that. How do you determine, OK, I'm going to do a show now or I've oh, I got too many movies to do? Or how do you make a decision? You know, for Broadway, it starts with the, the opportunity. It has to be the opportunity, because just frankly, the, the money you can make in Hollywood is not the money you make in theater. So I always make sure I have some, put some money away from some filmic work, television or movies, right. so I can afford to do it. Because it is my, theater is my first love. I would rather be on the stage night after night uh, when I can. I, eight I shows love a week. Eight shows a week. But I love it. I love, you know, and also Soldiers Play and, and Streetcar on Broadway, they're like five month runs. Mm -hmm. um, I've never done a two year run. I have friends in Lion King who's done it for 15 years. Wow. And I, how, do you, how do you do that for 15 years? And perspective, right? It's all about perspective. She said, well, listen, I work, think about it. I work two hours a day. Oh, there you go. I've done yeah, that for yeah. 15 years. And I was like, that's, that's the best way to look at it. And it's a fabulous show, too. I mean, you know, you can't get you know, Lion King. Is, it's fun. It's not heavy like the plays you've done. So it's a little lighter and more fun. So it's easier that's, to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it, but it starts with that. I can't wait to get back to the theater, but also specifically Broadway, because New York theater and Broadway in, in particular, because it's a high wire act, all the stakes are higher. That's Financial true. stakes, ticket sales, promotion, and then the audience themselves, the expectation of those New York audiences mixed in with the tourists. It's a, it's a different thing. And, and what I love about Broadway especially is you have, I think it's 41 Broadway houses. And at whatever the time is, 8 o'clock or 7.30 on Wednesdays, whatever it is. Same time, all these curtains go up at the same time. They go down around the same time in that, that sense of community between yeah. the shows, but also the energy in that Times Square area, you know, when the shows get out. It's, it's a separate, very specific subculture that is, is magical. So let's move away from theater because you have done some impressive voiceover work. You've done the uh, the Douglas Wilder documentary. You played Jesus in an 89-hour audio Bible. And a 220-hour New Testament, you played St. Mark. How did you get into voiceover work? And what do you like about it? Yeah. You know, I think that started off just early on with my agents just kind of sending you out to different things. And I started doing audiobooks in the early 90s. And that's where it started. And then you know how it is. Once you get a reputation for something, people start calling again. To have won the Grammy for um, Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth. Footnote. An Inconvenient Truth was Al Gore's 2006 documentary about climate change. And literally, I tell you, Jerry, that was just something that came across my desk. I went in for like five hours one day, forgot about it, didn't submit anything. But the producer submitted it for the Grammys. Right. And so I got this letter in the mail and they said, you're nominated for Grammy. I said, really? Oh, and we cool. ended up winning. It was three of us. It was Bo Bridges, Cynthia Nixon, who I played uh, her love interest in Sex and the City, and, right. and uh, myself. So I, I, I love to work. So if opportunities come along and it makes sense, if I have the time and it makes sense, 
then I'll do it. And audiobooks, I love to do whenever I have a chance to do because it's just a different, whole different way, as you well know, of yeah. telling stories solely with your voice. Right, right. And you don't have to look your best. You don't have to look your best. We're all out of bed, no hair and makeup. I love that part. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of looking your best, I didn't look up the issue, but you were in the 1996 issue of Playgirl magazine? Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I couldn't find it. That's so good. was That's this good. like a centerfold? No, there's no centerfold in that one. Okay, okay. Just an interview, or were you were you being the hunk in the issue? No, it was, it was an interview. It was during the L.A. Law days, and I remember they called and said, you know, we've never, this is how they got me, we've never had an African-American man on the cover of Playgirl. And I was oh, like, wow. I love the idea of kind of breaking barriers. So, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? I said, I'm not taking any clothes off, but I'll, I'll do an interview for you. There you go. <laughs> so that, oh, that's how that came about. Another cool thing from your resume, I mean, you've done so many amazing things. You were in Michael Jackson's Liberian Girl music video. Jerry, how do you find this stuff? Man. Do my research. What was That's that right. like working on that? I, it, well, you know, I tell you, it was, it was a lot of fun because it was just a lot of these different kind of artists, some recognizable faces that you'd recognize on the set and talking about Michael Jackson. Like, is Michael going to show up? Is he ever going to show up? And then at the end, you see that at the video, you see he's behind the camera. So, you know, they shot his behind the camera all by itself. So I never met Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. I was one of many people in the video just kind of talking about, you know, is he going to show up one day? And, and he never showed up on that day. Actually. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, but it's kind of cool to, to you know, just kind of be in the video anyway. Absolutely. One question I always like to ask everybody, and I know you're pretty busy running around working all the time. When you have a chance to sit around and relax, what are you watching? Oh, I got to tell you, my wife and I <laughs> watch more unscripted, non-scripted television right now. It's just, it's crazy stuff. You know, I live in Utah, moved to Utah a year ago. So the thing we've been watching lately is this uh, Sister Wives, which is, oh, which is wow. crazy. So I feel like, you know, I might day-to-day work so much of it is in storytelling um and reading scripts and and learning scripts and all that and and most of my career as you know has been in dramatic work um so it can be some heavy stuff so it's kind of just nice to i I call it mindless i will not sending anybody i call it mindless tv i don't think much about it's got to see the craziness why do you mention comedy why do you think it would you like to do more comedy i would love to you know in training you know you do a lot of that you know you're kind of trained to do all kinds of different genres so uh no, I'd very much love to do that. I'm always looking for like a, a romantic comedy or something fun. I, I, I did one that's airing uh, on Sky TV in London. I went to the UK and shot a series. For that reason, it's a romantic comedy. Oh. I play the father of the young girl in it. It's called uh, Smothered. Um, oh, okay. But it's just in the UK. I think Hulu may show it. But I did it solely for that reason. Well, two reasons. It was, it was a romantic comedy. It was lighthearted. It was fun. But also I wanted to, uh, to go to London for two months, especially on the holidays. You know, there you go. You, you mentioned that, which is great. What's next for you? I have a, a Nicolas Cage movie coming about a horror film, which I've never really done. I mean, oh, great. The film, uh, Tim Reed was the closest thing as a psychological thriller. This is a horror film. Nicolas Cage plays, uh, it's very much inspired by Silence of the Lambs. So he kind of plays the, the serial killing crazy. I play an FBI agent in that. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, a show called Three Women that's coming out on Stars soon. It's the most risque stuff I ever did when I had Sex in the City. Stuff, stuff we did in <laughs> Three Women make Sex in the City look like Disney World. So that, that's, that was that was interesting. That Does was that mean you had to take your shirt off for that one? Uh, not just my shirt. Oh, okay. No, no, yeah, <laughs> just, it was pretty risque. Okay. Uh, so stuff I would have never done when I had young kids. But, uh, you know, I'm in a different place right now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so that's coming out. And then um, some other stuff we're, we're circling and talking about right now. A lot of production stuff, Broadway production, but a lot of good stuff. But, but you know, Jerry, I, I just want to thank you for taking the time. I thank you for what the work you do and for highlighting people that are in this industry who have a love for Virginia. Um, Virginia was very good to me. That, that theater community was very good to me. And Petersburg, of course, 
So when I saw your email inviting me to come on your podcast, I jumped at the chance because uh-huh. of my love and passion for right. the people and the place. Well, I want to thank you and thank you for coming on. It's a powerful movie and you can be proud to be a part of it. And maybe we'll get you on again when you got when you got this uh, rom-com, this sexy rom-com coming out. Yeah, if it comes to Hulu, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. You take care of yourself. Okay. Bye-bye. That was Blair Underwood, the best-known actor to come out of Petersburg, who, in case you didn't know, has had a long and successful career of TV, movies, and stage. He can currently be seen in Ava DuVernay's powerful new movie, Origin. I'll have a link to his IMDb page on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Argyle. Dallas Bryce Howard plays an introverted spy novelist who's drawn into the real world of spies, including Sam Rockwell, Henry Cavill, and Dua Lipa. From Matthew Vaughn, director of Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, and Kingsman The Secret Service. Driving Madeline, a French import featuring a grumpy cab driver and his 92-year-old fare that becomes a sweet and surprising story. I'll have an interview with the director next week on my podcast. The Promised Land. Mads Mikkelsen stars as a man whose lifelong dream is to make a settlement in a barren heath. Scrambled, Ivan Strahovski plays an eternal bridesmaid who decides to freeze her eggs. Fitting in, based on writer-director Molly McGlynn's personal experience when she finds out she has an unusual reproductive condition. TV and streaming. Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Prime. This remake about a couple of spies who must pretend to be married stars Donald Glover and Maya Erksine. Genius, MLK slash X, on that Geo, Hulu, and Disney. The next subject in this Genius series explores the lives of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Orion and the Dark, on Netflix. DreamWorks Animation has teamed up with Charlie Kaufman to create this movie based on the children's book. The Tiger's Apprentice, on Paramount+, Plus, based on a trilogy of YA novels about a Chinese-American teen trying to fit in at high school while serving as an apprentice to a talking tiger. Curb Your Enthusiasm, the 12th and final season of Larry David's comedy on Max. Abbott Elementary, the third season returns to Hulu. Next week, I'll be featuring another new movie that's opening. Driving Madeline is a sweet and surprisingly heavy French import, and my guest will be director Christian Carillon. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.